So Money, episode 379, John Addison. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 75 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, and even video backgrounds, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. The site empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Hope you're doing well. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Listen, great timing for today's guest. My show on CNBC, it's called Follow the Leader. And it airs next week, and it's all about following some of the world's greatest leaders, entrepreneurs, learn what makes them so special and unique and so successful. And with us today, we have a true leader who's making it his life's work now to teach others, you and me, about what it takes to lead powerfully. John Addison is here. He's the president and chief executive officer of Addison Leadership Group. He's also the leadership editor for Success Magazine. And he's out with a new book. It's called Real Leadership, Nine Simple Practices for Leading and Living with Purpose. Now, before all this, John worked at Primerica, and he was there for more than 25 years. He rose through the ranks to become co-chief executive officer from 1999 to just recently in 2015. And he's credited for really steering the company through a lot of changes, including the company's separation from Citigroup in 2009. It was one of the most successful IPOs of the decade. And now he's spending his time speaking and motivating those who want to develop business acumen and leadership insights. And the two of us, you know, he's such a prolific speaker. We spent a good 20 minutes going over the recipe for leadership today and how it's not that different than what it was generation, two generation, three generations ago, that even with, you know, the current market, all the technology that at the end of the day, being a leader boils down to just a few things. And we talk about that. And then we dive into some of the money questions, right? That I want to learn from all of my guests. And so I learned through that conversation that John was raised by depression era parents Wow. What did that teach him? And how did that somehow maybe even create challenges for him? Without further ado, here is our guest, John Addison. John Addison, welcome to So Money. Congratulations on your book. 
Thank you very much. Great to be here with you. And I'm very excited about the book. Uh, You know, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes timing is uh, great. And, you know, my topic is on real leadership Mm -hmm. and kind of goes through my personal walk in the leadership world. But I think the timing of the book is quite apropos with what's going on in the world. So uh, very excited about it. Very excited about getting it out to a lot of people right now. I agree with you completely. The the atmosphere, the environment right now, we're so hungry. There's such an appetite for um, lessons around leadership. Many people are interested in starting their own businesses. Shows like Shark Tank and The Profit are killing it on the airwaves. Why do you Absolutely. think? Why do you think, John? There is such a an. I mean, look, entrepreneurship, leadership has been around since caveman era. This is nothing Absolutely. new. So, what is it about the timing today that makes it so relevant? Again, you know, I. I, I, I think that a big thing, Farnoosh, is that, um, number one, there's a lot more information now. I mean, with uh, the Internet, with uh, all of the ways we can communicate today, the access. You know, when I was in college, you had to, you know, to get information, you had to go to the library and know how to use the Dewey Decimal System. And now there is so much access to information, which, by the way, is good and bad. I mean, sometimes it can be accessed right. Really not so good information. But, and then I think with the change in our economy, uh, you know, we just finished the 10th year in a row of, you know, less than 3%. Uh, economic growth. And I mean, if you think about the, you know, the, the longest streak since the Great Depression and, um, and people, you know, the kind of employee work, go to work for a company, work your way up, work your way through, you know, that contract that used to exist really doesn't exist any much, as much anymore. And so more people are having to, you know, instead of having the means to their income control them, they're having to take control of the means to their income. And um, they're, you know, and, and people are looking for a path, looking for a better way to actually have, you know, security for their family. So I just think there is a huge appetite for, you know, information and for direction of how they can take their economic life. How do you define leadership? Is it to say that leadership at the, at the pinnacle is running your own company? Can you be a leader in other ways? Oh, you can uh, you can be a leader. Uh, you know, one of the uh, is actually interesting going through the path of writing this book. Um, you know, is I, I you know I was with the same company for you know almost thirty three years. Uh, grew up in the company, wound up being co CEO of the company for fifteen years. And so my walk was through one organization, and, 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 and my job was to run that business. And so when I got out and started writing the book and working with John David Mann on it, we talked about, you know, who were my leadership influences. And in truth, my number one was my mother, who, never, who was a teacher, who never really led a big organization of any kind, but she influenced so many people uh, at her funeral a few years ago, there was the church was packed with young people, people from the community of all types, and it was her influence. So I think number one, leadership is influence, is your ability to influence for the positive, whatever you're touching, 
on a daily basis. The reality is your actions have influence. Unfortunately, I think today most people influence things for the negative. And I believe great leaders, real leaders, are uniters and people that can pull things together and cause positive change to occur. And so it doesn't leadership is not a position. Leadership is leadership is your ability to influence and make things better uh, wherever you are in your life. You talked earlier about technology, the good and the bad. How can technology help people as they're seeking and striving towards, you know, becoming great leaders? What are some uh, mechanisms that you think are are important to use and are relatively new? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that technology and the advent of, you know, everything from iPads to, you know, to all the devices and all the abilities we have to communicate is that it, it gives you access to information. Now, I think you've got to be a great um, monitor of what you spend your time doing. Uh, see, I, you know, I'm one of these people that believes it's all, there's almost like a yin and a yang to anything for any great, you know, advancement. There's an equal side of it that can that can be negative. And I believe any any person who becomes a great leader that I've ever witnessed or I've been around are people that are very much into personal development, getting better every day. You're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotten. You got to get better. And I believe all the technology gives you so many avenues to get better, so many ways that you can have access to information. And so, I mean, it is amazing, you know, when I'm working on a speech or when I'm doing anything I'm doing, I can be sitting at my computer and I'll go, gosh, what was it Sir Winston Churchill said about so-and-so? Boom, it's right there at my fingertips. There is so much access to positive information and positive thinking that can improve you. But now on the other side of it, there's all the negative things that are out on the internet. I mean, you can, you know, the the internet can turn into just one big giant sewer that, you know, pumps trash into your brain. Okay. So, you know, and unfortunately, I think, you know, people are attracted to their distractions. There's no doubt about it. And, you can spend all of your time doodling on things that don't matter now, or you can use this wonderful tool to constantly be improving your brain and your thinking and becoming a better person and a better leader. The book is called Real Leadership, Nine Simple Practices for Leading and Living with Purpose. I like that last phrase, living with purpose. We sometimes forget all about that. Absolutely. You're 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 a hundred percent right. <laughs> you know, John, a lot of my audience, uh, they're they're called millennials, young adults, twenties, early thirties. You know, they're this generation is so different than even their parents' generation where you you know, you're talking about you worked at one company for over thirty years. I don't think that's ever gonna happen again for someone who's just starting out in the workforce. So right. how do you how do you uh, how do you go about leadership? And learning the skill set for that if you're bouncing around. You know, it's it's very interesting. I um see I think you know, one of the things is every generation 
thinks everything is different now and will never be the same again. One of the, um, you know, a, a writer that I love on kind of personal development, who's been deceased now quite a few years, but was Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. And he, he wrote a book uh, in the 1930s, okay, in the midst of the Depression, which was you know, what, how your thinking needed to change in this economic time. And it's very interesting. He interviewed all of these kind of captains of industry then who basically said the generation today of young people is useless. They, they want something for nothing. They're useless. Well, the generation those people were talking about were was the greatest generation that then you know went on to win World War II, changed the American economy in the fifties. When I was growing up, um, you know, I graduated from high school in nineteen seventy five. It was the generation gap. Everybody talked about our parents were of the Depression and the World War II generation, and you know everything was different now. And then now it's the millennials, and everything is different. Well, certainly things are different. The world is incredibly different. The world moves at a pace that no one could have imagined 15 years ago, let alone 50 years ago. And the economy is changing. So all of those things, the one thing that is constant in life and in time is change. But then there are some things that don't change. And I believe, and that's the principles I want to espouse and talk about in my book. I'm excited to be talking to people that are of that age because I want to be kind of an evangelist for time-tested principles that aren't going to change, no matter how companies change, economies change, whatever, that there are principles. It's being a good person, integrity. It's looking out for your organization and the people around you more than you look out for yourself. It's developing communication skills. You know, I spoke recently for news to the University of Georgia where I, I went to undergraduate school and then got my MBA at Georgia State University. And I was speaking to the Leadership Institute, which is kind of the top young people graduating in uh, the business school. And, you know, one of the young people asked me, a young lady asked me, you know, advice or whatever now that she's going out in the world and she had gotten a good job. These are really, really, they're not the, they're not the kids I was when I was in school. These are, these are like sharp, top of the table. And, you know, I, I travel all the time. I live in the airport. I'm a three million miler on Delta. I, 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 I know how to get through any airport in America. And one of the things I've observed, and I've been doing that for a lot of years in the last few years, is you take anyone who's under the age of 40, really, and they're going through the airport, and by and large, they have earbuds in their ear, and they're tapping on a screen. And which, by the way, that's all fine. If you're doing something positive, I would bet they're probably picking their fantasy football team that weekend or whatever. And some of the most influential people in my life I've met having conversations in an airport, sitting in a, the Sky Club, sitting somewhere, people that have influenced my life in many ways I've met through conversations there. And so I told people, you know, sometimes, you know, you're dealing with something thousands of miles away, pull the earbuds out, put the phone up and talk to people, get to know people, the ability to influence and communicate with people, 
I don't think is ever going to change. Okay, you know, no matter how I mean, technology gives you the ability to influence more people by reaching out and reaching them, but the ability to connect with, communicate with, and influence people is a critical skill to leadership. I believe that this millennial generation can be the next greatest generation. But just remember they to pick can, up you know, the phone and meet with people in person. <laughs> and, and, and learn to and learn to, to meet people, talk to people, yeah. get along with people that are different than you and have different opinions and become a great influencer for the positive of other people. Uh, there are so many tools and availabilities that people of this generation have that you know I didn't have. You know, I started my business career. The first cell phone I ever got was in a, you know, it was in a briefcase. It was so big. <laughs> and, and, and so the ability. What's now, a briefcase? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, you know, the world is changing. And, you know, a lot of times people go, I don't want the world to change. I'm just going to hold my breath and pretend it's not going to. world's going to change. Mm-hmm. You can either influence change or get run over it you know, run over by it. But but leadership, the core of what it takes to influence and to make things better, I, you know, it's really not going to change. And so I believe that as well as developing all your technical skills, all of those kind of things, developing great communication skills mm-hmm. and the ability to influence people that's that's not going to change, and that would be my advice to any young person. Go for it. Get up every day. Get better. Quit looking for someone else to make your life better. You go make it better. And everybody talks about which of these politicians is going to save the American dream. I believe we all need to go out and save the American dream every day by what we do right. and how we think. Mm-hmm. So. So that's um, what I would say to you. I love that advice. I love it. It's it's a little counterintuitive these days, to be honest. And sadly, yeah. maybe we are spending so much time on social media. We text instead of picking up the phone and calling. And I'll be the first to say that when someone actually dials me, <laughs> I'm like, do I really want to take this call? I don't, you know, do I have the and, and time? Way, Bruce, I, I do the same thing. Okay. I mean, it's not like that. I mean, you know, I mean, we all become... We can all become victims of the way, you know, of things. And and in truth, you know, 20 years from now, you know, it's going to be something that people now can't even imagine Mm -hmm. that are going to be the way people do things. You know, it's just real quick. It's just an interesting thing. I read a book very recently, which was the letters between Thomas Jefferson and John Adams in the last 25 years of their life. I mean, they both died on the same day, 50 years to the day, July 4th, 1826, 50 years to the day after the signing of of the Declaration of Independence. And the letters between the two of them the, the words, the way things were constructed, it was it was just masterful. They were brilliant. And, you know, while, you know, it's easy to just say LOL, OMG, boom, you know, shoot something to someone, it, you can't lose sight of the ability to communicate with and influence people and discuss great ideas. 
Mm-hmm. Things that make things better, you can't lose that in the technical, you know, whirlwind that we all live in today. And so, you know, I know I, you know, I don't feel old now. I'm 58. I don't, you know, I still, you know, unless I look in the mirror, still think I'm the, you know, 16, 17 year old kid. I always was. I, you know, I try to stay young on the inside and, you know, constantly be getting better and looking to the future. And I know sometimes I sound like, well, you know, here's the way it was. But I mean, you know, with my parents, it was, you know, they walked to school and you kids don't, you know, every generation thinks, boy, we had it tough. You guys have it easy. And, and that's just human nature. But the thing that I want to try to be a voice of is while things get better, embrace technology, embrace social media, embrace all of the things that are happening in the world. But, you know, I heard a speaker that was talking about social media one day say, you know, things are totally different now. Things will never be the same again. Leadership and everything is completely different. You know, how you communicate may be different. Tools may be different. But human beings are human beings. And, you know, the ability to to connect with people. I, you know, I, I'm, a book that I'll have coming up one day is going to be something that I genuinely believe, which is likability is the greatest ability. Oh, yeah. I always heard that since I was growing up. Like, you can work hard, like, especially if you want to go into leadership, like you talked about, people have to like you. You could have all the education, all the experience. You could be great on paper. But if, you're, if you open your mouth and, you know, you're spewing venom or you're not very likable, you're not gonna. You're not going to uh, probably succeed as much. Not for the long term, right? You can you can yell at people and scream at them and get them to do something for a little bit. Okay, fear motivates. People. Fear does motivate. You can motivate with fear for a short period of time, but if you want to be a leader for the long term, you know, I was with the same company thirty two years, ran it for fifteen. Yeah. If you want to be a leader for the long term. People need to, at the end of the day, even when they disagree with you, and by the way, if you're a leader, people are going to disagree with you. If you make a decision, some people aren't going to be happy, but they need to know at your core, you're trying to do the right thing for the right reasons. They may question what you did, but you don't want them to question, okay, he's just doing this to line his own pocket or he's, you know, whatever. I mean, they got to know that that your soul is good and that they can like and trust you. Mm -hmm. Authenticity, right? That's absolutely correct. And that's what I mean by real leadership. I, I mean, authentic from the soul, from the heart. So, John, we spent no. a lot of time talking about leadership, of course, yeah. because you're the yeah. premier expert. Would love to just transition a little bit now to talk sure. about money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a money which is, show. Which is, which is a very important thing in life. I agree. I agree. If you're a small business owner or make some extra cash on the side and you're struggling with tax stuff like I once did, I'm here to say you can stop freaking out and burying your head in the sand. Now, thanks to FreshBooks, you can end the agony. FreshBooks is the ridiculously easy-to-use cloud accounting software that's made for folks like you and me who can't stand doing their taxes. This online service, I'm telling you, will transform the way that you manage your taxes. FreshBooks keeps all your cash flow details in one place 
place, one place, so you know exactly what invoices you sent, who's paid you, and what your income is at all times. Their mobile app also lets you take pictures of your receipts and organizes them for later, which makes claiming expenses a breeze. You can even set up FreshBooks to import expenses directly from your bank accounts. FreshBooks is offering my listeners a free 30-day trial, no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash so money and enter so money in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash so money. So I guess real quick, do you have a money mantra, a financial philosophy? You have so many tenets for leadership. Do you have one for money that you live by? Uh, Yeah. Eliminate debt. (laughs) Okay. I believe that. Did you have debt um, growing up? You know, not with my parents. My parents were children of the Depression, and my parents managed, buddy, they always felt like the world was going to end on them. They were both, you know, my mom was the second youngest of 12 that were were the sharecroppers during the Depression in the South. My dad grew up on a mill village, which was, you know, where the people worked at the textile mill and stuff. So uh, I wasn't born on third and thought I had a triple, okay? I was, you know, born. Now, they had done well after World War II. They were very middle income, but they lived like the world was going to end on them to so no, they didn't have to hit. Now, you know, when I got out into the world and uh, got the first, you know, job started with the company I wound up running for $19,000 a year. My wife and I love Anna, who, you know, we've been married, you know, gosh, we've been married now. This will be 30, 34 years this wow. year. Um, we, um, you know, we started out, we bought a small house, assumed a mortgage on the home, but we, we managed our money tight. We made sure we paid ourselves first and didn't go out. And as my income went up, I, you know, the company grew like crazy. The economy exploded in the 1980s and my income went up. I mean, from 1982 to about 1989, my income went from 19,000 a year to a hundred thousand dollars a year. I became a vice president of the company, but we still lived in the same house. We didn't move. I was named president of the company in 1995. We moved out of an almost paid for then um, three bedroom ranch home in Snellville, Georgia, into a larger home because our kids were teenagers, everything. But again, we moved into a neighborhood then that if I wanted to justify how big a mortgage I could have gotten then, we could have moved into a massively bigger home. Mm. I always laughed in that neighborhood. The economy was doing well. Atlanta was growing like crazy. We moved into a home that was in the 300-something thousand range. And, you know, when we moved in, we were able to, like, you know, go pay cash and buy furniture for the bigger home. And it always, yeah, I always say you, you can always tell somebody that's in too much house for their income by you go into the home and they don't have furniture in most of the rooms. And they go, <laughs> we're, we're looking for the right. No, no, you just can't afford to buy furniture. So my view is to live beneath your means. OK, not within your means, beneath your mm-hmm. means. If it, you know, drive paid for automobiles. Okay, don't go get the maximum car payment you can get, whatever. You know, I, I, you know, I I was president of the company driving a Honda Accord. Okay, that was paid for. 
Okay. Hondo Accords go a long way. They get like 200,000 miles, and then you can still sell it for a nice pocket. I, know, I mean, I'm telling you, live beneath your means. Don't – you're not you – don't live in a fake it till you make it world. Not when it comes okay? to your money, yeah. Do you, mean, think that, do you think, John – sorry to interrupt, but I'm so curious because <laughs> your, your Depression-era parents obviously yeah. – um, Raised in that environment, you grew up with a very con- conservative sure. mindset about money. But in some ways, did it also uh, bring with it a sense of uh, financial scarcity? Um, was there fear around spending? Was there like the opposite as well going on? You know, no, you know, for me, uh, you know, I'm sure it did for certain people. For me, it didn't. I remember, you know, one of the, uh, you know, a money memory I have. So I, I remember my mom, you know, she was, she was the world's greatest spendthrift and could, you know, make a dollar last a long ways. And then in, in the little community I grew up in, there was one incredibly wealthy gentleman that had made a lot of money in real estate, had a beautiful home, beautiful estate, had the only swimming pool I you of. And I remember we would go over there. They were good friends with my parents. And I used to always think, man, that's what I want to do. I want to have that. Okay. I remember I did a book report when I was in the fifth grade on uh, John D. Rockefeller. Okay. So I wanted to do more. I wanted success. Okay. I, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, just get by. Okay. But Everybody wants to get rich quick. What I've learned in life is if you really want to have money, you've got to get rich slow. Okay? And, um, you know, and now my life is very different. Okay? It is very different. The decisions, it, in many ways, money complicates things. It's much more complicated also, but in a positive way. Um, but, you know, the, the facts are, you know, I wanted more. I wanted to do well. I wanted, I wanted wealth. I wanted, but I wanted to get it the right way. I didn't want to just, you know, get rich quick, whatever, that kind of thing. That really usually doesn't happen uh, for people, you know. And so my view, you know, success is not a destination. It's a journey. And that you need to, you know, along the way, you know, know where you want to get to, but don't get up and think, well, tomorrow morning I'm there. Okay, you know, dream and plan for success, but prepare for things to happen and go wrong Um, and, and play smart. I mean, you know, when the when the water level, when the economy goes down and the water level drops, you know, you want to be somebody still on an inner cube, not somebody standing there, you know, broke or whatever. So, you know, just just make smart decisions and uh, manage your money intelligently. And and don't accept all those stupid credit card offers that come through the mail or come through social media to you now. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it's it's very easy to accumulate way too much debt. It's so easy. It's and then you know, we're hardwired in many ways, John, to make the bad decisions. I've been writing about this for years. You know, it's uh, it's like, and the world is positioned in a way to really tempt us, but. Um, but it's not to say that it can't be done. And obviously you're an example of 
of that. Would you want to do some so money fill in the blanks with me? This is the part of the show where sure. I, I start a sentence. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Cool. We'll Just, give it a shot. All right. So I know you don't believe in get rich quick, but answer this. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million dollars, the first thing I would do is. I would work with, I would be even more generous with a lot of the charities that I'm fortunate enough to be involved in now. So um, I would try to spread it and help a lot more people. Nobody's going to back a U-Haul up at your funeral and dump money in the ground with you. Um, so it's true. I would, I would, I would help things that I'm fortunate enough now to be able to do. You know, as a, you know, one of the things I tell people all the time is somebody's got a right to check. Okay, and I'm for LaVan and I are fortunate enough now in our community that, uh, you know, we're working right now on um, a group of us funding and building a, you know, shelter for abused children. And um, and it's wonderful to be able to know that you're the person that can write the check and the check's going to cash and you can help people. So that's what I would do. That's great. All right. One thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is travel. I I love to travel. Um, you know, it's kind of my, you know, guilty pleasure now that I can do it. And, you know, we're going to be in um, Europe again this summer for two and a half weeks in England and France. We're going to go to Normandy and oh, go wow. to a lot of different places. And I love to travel. I think, you know, too often we get in our little world and, you know, we think, why doesn't everybody think just like I do? I think it the more cultures you can be exposed to, the more people you can be exposed to, uh, the better person you are. So I love to travel. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is... <laughs> Uh, you know, that's a hard one, uh, because I, my, I, I learned, like, let me tell you what, I, the one thing I wish I'd have learned younger, my parents, because of the depression, were mortified of the stock market. Uh, they saved their money in CDs, the bank, and they wound up, by the way, financially independent, okay? But I didn't really learn the time value of money and the importance of a, getting a better return until I became an adult. So I wish I'd have learned that younger. Hmm. All right. Time to brag. I'm John Addison. I'm so money because... <laughs> uh, because I have been blessed to have had an amazing life, a great family, uh, a great marriage, great kids, and uh, answered the right ad in a newspaper. And I don't know why sometimes, you know, there are days I actually feel guilty because I've been so blessed. Now, I've been through, if, I, when people read the book, they'll see the battles I went through in uh, the height of the Great Recession, trying to get our company out of Citigroup as it was collapsing on our head and save 2,000 jobs. I, I walked through the fire. I went through one of the craziest times a human can imagine. But now that I'm 58 years old and look back at things. By the way, I'm constant. What I am really doing now is looking forward. It's the reason I'm doing this book. But um, I'm, I'm so, because I've been blessed. I've been a blessed human being. Well, thank you so much, John Addison. The book, everyone, is called Real Leadership. 
Nine Simple Practices for Leading and Living with Purpose. Best wishes to you, John, and your family. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to you too. And and you're doing good work trying to help people get better in their lives. So thank you very much. It was wonderful to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about John, his website is johnaddisonleadership.com. He's also on Twitter at johnaddisonga. All this information, including the transcript, the audio, and the comments, for this episode and all previous episodes located at somoneypodcast.com. And while you are there, you know what to do. Browse around, but click on Ask Farnoosh. I know you have something on your mind about, you know, money or uh, saving, debt, student loans, your job, your family. Send them over to me. I love screening all the questions and many of them, if not most of them, make it into the Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh, where I dedicate the entire episode to answering your questions. So the best way to connect with me is to send in your question or your comment. Um, head over to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh and use that tool. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Countdown begins to follow the leader on CNBC, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Please, I want to learn what you think about this show. So if you can't catch it real time, live, DVR it. Um, and hopefully it'll replay over the weekend so you can catch it on your downtime. But very excited for that. It's been a big passion project for the last three months. So I'm really excited to debut it finally. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Hope your day is so money.